If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Thanks for joining and listening in. Going to take a break from best ball podcasts and do kind of an interesting, I always like having multiple guests on. Uh, It doesn't always go as well because of blog talk and it's hard to hear each other speak, but uh, an interesting thing happened. Uh, Our first guest is Gianna Passanelli. She wrote an article on uh, Kirk Cousins landing spots, possible landing spots. You can follow her on Twitter at Gianna with like four A's. Did I get that correct, Gianna? It's with four A's. Four A's at the end and only one N. Yes, that that's the other thing. It, there is only one N. So I'm Todd with one D and she's Gianna with one N. We're both been crippled from birth, um, but we, you know we do the best that we can. Um, and then my other guest is Bobby Koch. Bobby is at Reeked Fantasy, R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. Uh, Bobby, um, welcome. Yeah, thanks. And uh, by the way, it's actually wrecked. It's uh, just a pun with my initial. Ah, okay. But it looks like Reeked Fantasy when you're, uh, when you're spelling it. I remember asking Bobby on Twitter, what, what's Reeked? Like I, you know, I thought there was going to be like some, you know, secret code, or I thought because I'm an old guy that perhaps I didn't understand what the hell was going on, and it just turned out it was his initial. So go, go figure, um, Bobby. Why don't you we start with you as it relates to, um, you know, a little bit about your history and where people can find you uh, in your work in fantasy football. Sure. So. I am starters just because I'm on the same podcast as Gianna. I have to mention first and foremost that I'm a Giants fan. Um, I can be found at Dynasty League Football writing Dynasty content pretty regularly for them. And I just started writing for uh, two QBs as well. And occasionally, and it's coming back soon actually, I host my own podcast, which is called the Afterburners Podcast. Nice. And Gianna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, fantasy life? Sure. So I guess I have to uh, balance out Bobby by saying that I am a Cowboys fan. Um, And I also write for 2QBs, um, did a weekly quarterback streaming article for Rotoviz this past season. And I also, until recently, was part of the contributor platform on Huffington Post. Nice. And uh, so we got one Cowboy fan, one Giant fan. I guess I got to break the tie. Uh, Sorry, Gianna, I'm a Giant fan. Um, But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, cats and dogs hanging out together, texting each other, love emojis, Giants and Cowboys fans. I, I think one of the great things about fantasy is it breaks down a lot of the hatreds. Um, do you guys find that as well? Gianna, do you find that you dislike uh, teams less because you might roster their players? 
I am a pretty competitive person, so I actually, regardless of if I might secretly like a player on another team in the NFC East, I won't draft them. You would never oh, see me. I need you draft. in my league. That that I love. <laughs> I also, I, I, to be go fair, ahead. I also don't draft Cowboys players because I don't like to mix business with pleasure. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are unusually interesting, uh, Bobby. How about you? So I guess I'm kind of interesting too. I follow a similar path where I don't draft Cowboys players. I've made exceptions for Eagles and Redskins in the past, but I try not to. But I will not draft Cowboys players, and I found ways to win without doing it, so I will continue to not do it. And I would trade my mother if I could get a value in fantasy football. Um, So, you know, when it comes to that, I'm completely agnostic. And uh, so we really have an interesting mix here. Uh, And speaking of interesting, Gianna, I found your article very interesting from a couple aspects. The first is the layout of the article where you both go, where you go into both ideal and non-ideal landing spots for Kirk Cousins but also how you used need and challenge and opportunity for each possible landing spot to give your readers a true sense of each team's situation. Can you please take us through the process of how you laid out the article? And if you haven't read her stuff, you really should. She is a very talented writer. Well, thank you for that. Um, And actually, we talked a little bit about this offline, but while I love fantasy football, I am a writer first. So I've noticed just from a writing standpoint today where information is found immediately and there's a lot of it out there, we've become more or less skim readers. We'll see an article we like and we'll skim it to seek out the information that most appeals to us without actually reading the piece in its entirety. So I kind of strive to play off that concept and break up my content in an organized way so you know what you're getting, get the people what they want, and especially, you know, definitely the need, the challenge, and the opportunity. But I also wanted to um, have readily accessible the cap space and the draft pick since those were such key aspects of if a team could and, and should go after Cousins. So I wanted that to be easy to find. I also have to give credit to Sal at 2QBs, who was the one who came up with the idea, playing on the ideal versus not-so-ideal team options. Yeah, no, it, it, it was laid out really strong. Bobby, what did you think of the article? Just the layout, uh, I mean. I, yeah, I thought the layout was great. Um, I agree that breaking it up into different sections is a way to grab attention. I also think that not enough people challenge their own opinions in writing. So what I mean by that is they have a certain take on a player, but they won't think what would someone who disagrees with my take say, and can I preempt that in my writing? And Gianna did an excellent job of doing that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I know at Rotoviz, Gianna writes for Rotoviz, as she mentioned, I dabble as well. Uh, at Rotoviz with writing, and um, that's one thing that they really stress, that you should always think that there's someone out there who is going to challenge you, what are they going to challenge you on, and kind of address it uh, uh, up front. So, Gianna, we talked a little bit about the layout, the, the different categories that you went into, why don't you take us through the, the teams that you think are most likely to end up with Kirk Cousins? All right. So um, I'll start with the top of my article where I talked about uh, the Broncos. They were essentially the first team that was a rumored top spot for Cousins, really even before the Alex Smith trade. Uh, they've had issues finding a sufficient starter to replace Payne Manning. I think Cousins could be the missing piece there to really reinvigorate that offense. But their biggest issue is going to be that they don't really have the cap space. So they'll have to let go of quite a few players to make it happen. I've weirdly found people talking less and less about the potential partnership, probably because it just might not be feasible. But if they, if 
Elway does want to find a way to pay him, I think Cousins would be a perfect fit for that offense. Bobby, the Broncos, obviously the cap room is an issue. One of the other key suitors that Gianna will get to in a moment is the New York Jets. There was a rumor out the other day that the Jets would go, you know, really heavy up front with a lot of money uh, to get Cousins. But if Cousins really wants to go to Denver because of the defense and doesn't want um, them to have to cut players. Do you think that there's a, any chance at all that they, you know, he would accept the backloaded contract? Uh, it's somewhat interesting because you hit the nail on the head where I think that if he really wants to win, he would value the Broncos, but at the same time, him going there would make the Broncos, a less strong team at other positions, in my opinion, including their defense. Uh, So I don't necessarily see the fit there, but they could backload it. They could also do something like I've heard rumors that they're going to cut Emmanuel Sanders, which could save them a certain amount of cap. So there are ways they could get creative. I'm just a little hesitant because I think if they really want to get Cousins, then they're going to have to cut other players that he'll want to have there. Gianna, what was the second team on your list? And uh, if you feel free to also comment some more on the Broncos if you want to. My my final comment on the Broncos is that that rumor about Emmanuel Sanders um, being cut, but there was also a rumor that he could potentially go to the Cowboys. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Please please continue. <laughs> Moving on to my next ideal landing spot, uh, as you mentioned, was the Jets. I, well, I think the Broncos are a good fit. I, the more I dug into the Jets, the more I thought that that would be almost potentially a bigger opportunity for Cousins. Um, they impressed us all this past season with what seemed like you know few to no weapons, and they put up, pulled off quite a few upsets. They definitely have the cash, and they also have the draft picks to make big moves this offseason, and they they already have a fairly young and hungry defense. Um, I'd be interested to see the Bowles-Cousins connection, the relationship there. Um, I think they have similar personalities, and they have a potential to do big things, and you add that to the fact that they hired Jeremy Bates as their O.C., He's worked with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, kind of raised under the same family tree. And Cousins is obviously familiar with the Shanahans as well. So I think that that could be probably one of my favorite landing spots for him. I know Cousins wants to win, and I think that's definitely more of a priority than money. But I think the Jets could be more of a long-term challenge for him he might not win this year or next year but I could really see him pulling off some great things with the Jets long term Bobby you live in the city and you know I've been to other places where they say do you want to go to the look there's only one city right it's New York City so that that's what we're talking about here obviously there's pros and cons however of the city uh what do you think about Cousins uh being a Jet, you know, it hasn't been the most functional franchise, but it hasn't been as bad as Washington, I don't think. What are your thoughts about cut the, of the pros and cons of Cousins going to the Jets? Yeah, uh, so Cousins obviously would make a lot of money if he went to the Jets. They are a young, emerging team. I'm a bit worried. I'm actually a huge Robbie Anderson fan, but – after what he pulled this offseason, it's getting harder and harder to make that statement. I should say I'm a fan of him as a player, not so much as a person. Did I mention that I'm agnostic when it comes to drafting players? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, uh, Go ahead. I think something that I think doesn't get thought about enough is how people will adapt to living in New York City because it is something that is – pretty chaotic it's not for everybody I've had a lot of people from small towns really not like visiting and I know Washington isn't necessarily a small town but it's a very different vibe than New York 
So I don't know that Kirk would necessarily like that, but I guess if you pay someone enough, it's possible that they can get over it. I mean, you give me 16, 60 million or whatever it is that the Jets might be rumored to give him, I'd get over it pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I think that the Jets are definitely, uh, you know, Vegas has them as the lead, uh, the lead contender. Um, and, and I think that, you know, while they are dysfunctional and that is a negative and New York could be a positive or a negative cousins doesn't seem like the type that would be intimidated. Mr. You like that. You like that. Um, I think that's exactly the kind of attitude that succeeds in New York. The people who actually feed off it rather than re- uh, retreating from it. So I, I don't see that being a problem. Uh, but you know, Gianna, any last thoughts on the Jets before we move on to the next team? Yeah, Bobby brings up an interesting point. I've personally never really thought about um, how a player would do in New York City. But is it MetLife outside of the city? I mean, couldn't they vary? I was going to say that. It's basically a Jersey franchise. Right. So I don't necessarily think that would be an issue for him. And I think there's, you know, they obviously have fan- relatively fantastic uh, public transportation. At least they have options. So I think he could easily, you know, live somewhere he's more comfortable and, and still enjoy the the New York crowd at MetLife. Yeah. And he, he seems to be a family guy, but I lived in northern New Jersey. I lived in Hackensack before I moved out to PA. Uh, when my daughter was, uh, you know, on the way. And uh, there's some amazing neighborhoods about uh, 20, 30 minutes from uh, the Meadowlands. Uh, Hackensack doesn't happen to be one of them, but um, that's, that's, an, that's another story. So most of our conversation online, uh, folks, uh, discuss the pros and cons of the Vikings. Uh, Gianna had them third, but I thought it's the best landing spot for Cousins from a pure talent perspective. Uh, Bobby, can you share your thoughts first on the Vikings? Sure. Uh, I would love to see him go to the Vikings uh, because that team is a great fit for winning now. It has a lot of talent, and in theory they have the cap room, but something that I've been talking about a lot with my friend, John Newton. He's not a fantasy analyst, but he's in a dynasty league with me, and I like to shout him out when I can because he's a very smart guy. He's a big Vikings fan, and he continually brings up the fact that they have extensions coming up for Barr, Diggs, Kendrick, and Hunter all within the next season. So if they want to keep their young, poor guys, they're going to have to pay a lot of caps. So to get Cousins, they'd probably have to be a very, very front-loaded deal. Yeah, I, I, I you know, he, here's my, you know, and this is the kind of the big conversation the three of us had on Twitter about this. My feeling is, you know, someone, one of you or someone else said, well, why, should, why don't they just, you know, take Keenum and then bring Teddy Bridgewater back as a backup? And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, between the two of them, that's almost as much money as you'd probably have to pay for Kirk. Not the same, but probably about 70%. And I'm coming from the perspective, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm coming from the perspective of the fact that the Vikings haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1976. They went to four Super Bowls in like seven years, have not been back yet since. They've never won a Super Bowl. And, you know, as well as Keenum played and as okay as Bridgewater looked at times, they're, they're, there's a lot of question marks about those two. And you've got a team that's ready to win. I get that point about those contracts and certainly the, the, the vibe you get is that the Vikings won't go after Cousins, but I got to say, as just a, if I was a fan of the Vikings, I, I would think, you know, let me win my Super Bowl that I've never won in my lifetime, and then we'll worry about the rest. Gianna, what's your overall thoughts on the Vikings and the things in, that Bobby and I have talked about as it relates to that team? 
So just to clarify, I didn't necessarily have the Vikings last on the list. I was kind of teetering between ideal, not ideal, and going back and forth. On that, I did put them last because I actually, quite honestly, wasn't even going to include them. Um, I, I hear what both of you are saying. I completely agree, and I think that without a doubt, the Vikings give Cousins the best chance to win and win right away. I, I'm pretty sh- sure – uh, Vegas has them with the fifth best chances to make it or win the Super Bowl this in 2018. So it, it's a great option on paper. Um, he'd be great with that offense. He is their missing piece. I think he would really be able to to dominate in that position with that oh, behind that O line. Um, but but like you guys said, they have three quarterbacks there. One of them just almost took them to a Super Bowl. Um, And then the other one, prior to injury, you thought Bridgewater was going to be their franchise quarterback. Now, I'm a little concerned because they didn't even have – they had Bridgewater come out for that one game um, when they sat Keenum, but they never had him back um, as the backup quarterback again, especially in the postseason. So that was a little – interesting to me as why they would have Bradford as number two instead of Bridgewater. Um, so there might be something there that we don't know. I just can't rationalize them letting all three of them walk using all the cap money that they have available. And, you know, they're, they're not expected to lose many players in this off season, but they could still, you know, add some depth there and work with one of the quarterbacks they have. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting. The Vikings have kept fairly silent, so I guess time will tell. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think all three of the uh, of the Vikings quarterbacks are free agents. So, uh, but you, you you don't get the vibe that they want to pay top dollar for a quarterback. Uh, Bobby, uh, any last thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, so they actually had four quarterbacks under contract last season. Uh, people forget about him, but they tried to keep Kyle uh, Water, I think is how you pronounce it, off their oh, yeah. practice squad because people were coming season. after him. And uh, I, so I think it's very possible that they use a transition tag on Case Keenum and then have Slaughter be their backup or see what they can get for cheap on the uh, – free agent market as their backup instead of slaughter, but I could easily see them going that route. Yep. Gianna, the Browns don't make your list, but they've got a lot of parts and opportunity in place. What are your thoughts on the Browns organization? And do you agree that they are, uh, I mean, you say that they're not an ideal landing spot. What was the main points uh, in your article? Share with the folks here. Uh, as to why you don't think the Browns, who have a ton of money, are an ideal spot? So, obviously, the Browns have have more than enough cap space to pay Cousins, and they certainly have the draft picks. They're, they're really just a love-to-hate team. Um, they failed to hit the mark, clearly, with quarterbacks over the last few years. Um, I mentioned in my article, since 2010, they've had 16 different quarterbacks and only two of them were still playing as of 2017. So for me, you don't really go to the Browns for a fruitful career. That's kind of your final pit stop. So it's definitely unfortunate for Browns fans, and I hate to rag on them. I I really hope that for their sake the tide turns one day. But my main concern with putting Cousins there isn't even their current starting lineup, but it really is their front office problem. Um, they don't really if they choose to go with Cousins they're not really in a position to have him grow and succeed Cousins has dealt with his fair share of front office drama with the Redskins and I hate to see him have to continue to play the middle man in that yeah and, and I would have to think that not only you know would you hate to see him do it but after dealing with dysfunction as much as he did I agree with you that I think that that is the number one reason why uh, 
it's it, it's he would be it would be kind of unrealistic to expect him to put himself back in another situation like that. Bobby, do you agree that the Browns are dysfunctional? I, I guess everyone agrees with that. But I, I mean, give us your take on the Browns and the Cousins, and who's got the police coming for them? That's me. I committed a crime while I was being silent. Um, yeah, that 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 is that is city life, by the way. Um, go ahead, Bobby. Yeah. So. I guess and I think I mentioned this on Twitter. I agree with you guys that the Browns are dysfunctional, but I'm not quite as low on them as either of you are. And the reason why is because I think they have some good offensive pieces in place in, you know, Josh Gordon, who everyone wants to root for as a comeback story. Uh, and Joku, they have Corey Coleman. They have a good offensive line. They have a lot of high-end draft picks that the last regime left them to play with too there's a chance they could get Barkley. Um, my concern is exactly what you guys already mentioned, which is Hughes Jackson has been detrimental to any quarterback development, and also their front office is not exactly one that I trust, so I wouldn't blame Kurt for not wanting to put himself in that situation. Yeah, I, and what's funny about Hugh Jackson is a couple of years ago and the first time he was an offensive coordinator, the reason he keeps getting head coaching jobs is he's a really good offensive coordinator and he gets a lot out of teams when he's an offensive coordinator. But when he's the head coach, it's like he turns into Dracula or something or some, he turns into something that's not good. Um, Gianna final thoughts on the Browns before we move on. It's, to your point, it's unbelievable that they kept him on for this upcoming year. I, I don't know where the rationale is there. I guess he just couldn't completely uh, clean house, but that was shocking to me. Uh, one other thing that I would want to add on the Browns is Cousins has, has explicitly said he's looking to win. I mean, he's been getting paid, being tagged, you know, time after time. So for him, I think money – while it's still a factor, it's not the factor, and he wants to win. And the Browns are still very much rebuilding, and they're just they're not in any form of desirable position for Cousins to want to go there for really any amount of money. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair point. And I think, you know, what it comes down to with Kirk Cousins staying is, you know, bad, dysfunctional uh, franchises are dysfunctional because of the owner, right? Uh, you know, Daniel Snyder, Terry Pagula, um, this this guy from Flying J who almost ended up in jail for his businesses. What's his name? The guy who owns the Browns? I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, um, but the point is that you know, it, uh, it, it you know fish they say rot from the head first. And I just think that Hugh Jackson got in the owner's ear, a learner, his name's Learner. Um, Hugh Jackson got in his head and it made no sense. But, the, you know, the, this is the second time that he fired a general manager who made a bunch of good trades, got a lot of draft picks, and then the guy never was able to, uh, to stay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on the name of the owner, but, uh, you know, uh, Bobby, any final thoughts on the Browns? And then we're going to move on. Yeah, um, those are all absolutely valid concerns. My only thing is, and this is just me personally, maybe I'm secretly as competitive as Gianna. If it's me and you're saying I can go to a dysfunctional franchise and I can be the guy to turn it around and it looks like there are already pieces in place, I would heavily consider that only because, not because of the dysfunctionality, but because if I managed to do it, I would be a legend in Cleveland forever. I'd rather be a legend in New York, but I get you. <laughs> um, and and the the owner's name is Jimmy Haslam. Uh, I, where Lerner was an old uh, guy in their front office. I don't know. You know, my old guy stuff uh, ends up coming out sometimes. So apologies there. Uh, moving on, once Kirk makes his decision, the rest of the QB needy teams will be left looking for other options. 
either through free agency or the draft. And this draft seems to have a lot more first round options at the positions than uh, many of the drafts that we see. Bobby, it starts with the Browns who own both the first and fourth picks in the draft and who almost traded for A.J. McCarron, who is now a free agent at the trade deadline. We briefly discussed the power struggle and problems within the Browns organization. Do you see the Browns signing McCarron? Do you think Hugh Jackson wins that battle again? Because paying him might preclude them from drafting a a rookie QB, as I'm hearing that McCarron might get 20-plus million a year. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because, as everybody knows, it's fine now. They tried to trade for him someone messed up on the paperwork and it didn't go through. So clearly they like him. And if we think that Jackson has the ear of Haslam, then we have to think that it's something they might try again. And if they were to sign him, that would give them the opportunity at one and four to take guys that if they took a quarterback at one, I think they should be looking at, which would be uh, Barkley and Minka Fitzpatrick. So I could easily see the Browns wanting to go for that. Interesting. Gianna, what are your thoughts on McCarron? Do you think it's a smart move, a dumb move? Uh, And if it's a dumb move, it's almost guaranteed the Browns will do it, correct? (laughs) That's right. And I actually, Bobby made some really valid points there. I am completely on board with McCarron uh, going to the Browns. I think it's their best chance at finding a quarterback. Um, They already kind of rolled the dice on drafting one last year and didn't have the best strategy for that. Um, And I think McCarron, though he's still going to have a relatively high price tag on him, it's not going to be what Cousins Cousins is looking at. So they'll still have room there to spread the wealth. Um, I don't necessarily think it might, it would be the best option for McCarron um, because I think he, he needs a good coach who's really going to, devote the time to growing him and um, putting him in the best position to succeed. Um, Personally, I'd actually like to see McCarron on the Cardinals. But from a Browns perspective, I think it's definitely advantageous uh, to Bobby's point. They will save their draft picks and can get Barkley, um, which would be really fun to watch. Um, And so uh, from a Browns perspective, I think that's their best bet. I don't necessarily know if I'm McCarron, if I would be too excited about that. For me, you know, one of the other, I won't call it an argument, but one of the themes on Twitter not too long ago was that people couldn't understand why the Niners paid as much as they did for Jimmy Garoppolo. And my comment was, you're always overpaying for quarterbacks because, uh, That's just the nature of the position. Either you're drafting guys probably earlier than they deserve to be drafted or giving up a lot of picks, hoping that a rookie will be good. And I said, you know, Garoppolo has shown everything you could possibly want um, as it relates to, you know, that contract making enough sense that I had no problem with it. Uh, but I've been a Jimmy Garoppolo truther since he came out. Uh, I feel completely different on McCarron. I don't think McCarron showed a lot when he played. Uh, I don't think he was uh, nearly the prospect that Garoppolo has. Garoppolo has amazing, amazing release, and just there's just a lot that makes him great. Um, I think that... M- much more likely McCarron is Mike Glennon than he is Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I know you both want to kind of jump in on that one. Um, Why don't I go to Bobby? No, I'll go to Gianna for that. And then we'll go to Bobby. Thank you. Um, And I think that's actually a pretty interesting comparison between McCarron and Glennon. Um, you might not be wrong in that. I think the other reason that people are paying so much for quarterbacks, starting with Mike Lennon, um, is because there's not many good quarterbacks that that are worth paying for right now. So I think but there's so many needs out there 
that if you find someone that you think is going to be your guy, you want to make sure you don't lose him. I noticed it especially when I was doing research on Cousins, which teams would be good landing spots for him. And it was almost, you know, all of almost all the quarter, uh, all the teams have a quarterback need in some capacity. So um, I definitely, I definitely think that that's the reason that we're that people are so high on quarterbacks right now. It's the leader of your team, and that that's where your money should really go if you have it. Bobby, what do you think? Yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. I was going to say the reason quarterbacks are being drafted so high and paid so well is because, to be frank, there aren't 32 uh, worthy starters. So when you find a guy who might have the potential, you take that risk. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'm going to disagree with you both. Maybe you're both Cowboy fans. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I know you have to take risks, but you have to – if you're going to pay a guy 20-something million a year and lock yourself into four or five years, which is what it's going to probably take for McCarron, um, that's not a risk I'm willing to take when I've got the first and fourth pick in the draft. I would much rather draft one of the rookies in that case who I've got on a cheap deal for five years uh, because uh, I would say you know, if I got my choice of all these guys, I would rather take the the money savings, and that way, if I'm wrong, I can cut him without crippling my my cap in a couple years. So, uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts on that one? So, it's interesting because I somewhat agree with you more from a Giants perspective, but I know we're going to get to that in a second. But just a thought that I had was, let's say they did have – uh, McCarron, and you don't think he's a particularly good quarterback, and this is going to be a shot at the Cowboys, and I apologize in advance, Gianna, but I don't think Dak is that great personally. However, I think that having Zeke all around, it totally covers up for any flaws in his game and makes him great, and uh-huh. I can see the same thing happening with McCarron and Barkley, so that's why I still think it's a good move. Well, I would argue that it's the offensive line more than Elliott, that um, and the fact that they, you know, the offensive line lost one or two parts and had some injuries this year was more of an issue for Gianna's Cowboys than um, even losing Zeke. Uh, but I got to ask the Cowboys fan her opinion on that. And also, could you answer one last question about Mike Glennon? Who has a, a longer neck, Mike Glennon or the average chicken? <laughs> I've actually never noticed Mike Lennon's neck, but I'm going to have to report back to you on that it, one. It, 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 uh, it, is, it is really noticeable, Gianna. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. I'm sorry. My my mom actually has a pretty long neck, so I think I might have just, you know. It, it, it's and, a lot more attractive on a woman. I'm sure. Uh, but I'm not going to ignore the, uh, the dig at my cowboys there. To your point, we, we had a lot of injuries. We also had a lot of uh, suspensions. So um, we, we had our fair share of issues that definitely set Dak back and made him uncomfortable, which he obviously wasn't in his first season. I do see where you're coming from, Bobby. Um, he obviously excelled when we had Zeke in the game versus when we didn't. Um, and some of the decisions that he made this year were really concerning for me. Um, in, in one of the games when we were down uh, probably to the Eagles a considerable amount of points, I it was the first time that I actually kind of missed Romo um, because even though he screwed us over in more ways than one, um, he, always ha- he could always come back. And when we were at that position, I just remember thinking, Jack is not capable of coming back. And that made it uh, – really scary for me because we I thought that that was uh, my long term my, my my future for the Cowboys and I still love Dak as a person and a player and I don't want to assume that his sophomore slump was what the future will bring but I definitely think the losses to our O-line may should have should make the Cowboys realize that they need more depth there that if one injury leaves Dak vulnerable, then we need to fix that immediately. Um, and I also think 
probably more concerning than Dak is us keeping um, our entire coaching team in place, more or less. So I, I took my own dig at the Cowboys there. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I know. You, that wasn't much of a defense. Uh, geez. But, uh, but, I was but, then if you if you couldn't tell, <laughs> I was happy with our defense. Um, but we even lost Dan Bailey, and he's my favorite player on that team. So there was just uh, he's a good kicker. Yeah. Well, and you got to also. I mean, I, I feel like Dak played poorly, and I don't think that you can argue that. And at the same time, with the injuries, uh, it, it did coincide with Zeke going, uh, you know, on suspension. So I, Bobby has a good point there. Um, but also, Dez wasn't the Dez that you know. He he just doesn't get the separation. Uh, Terrence Williams is is you know not a and Whit it, Terrence Williams isn't that good. Beasley played bad, and Witten is almost as old as me, and uh, and and I need to go to bed. So we're gonna let Bobby uh, get the last word on this. But this is, and I don't know how this turned into a Cowboys conversation, but. But go ahead, Bobby. Sure. I was going to say a few things. One is any shot that I take at the Cowboys came from the Giants fan whose team has a number two pick in the draft. So you can take anything I say with a grain of salt. Um, Two is really any quarterback improves when they have a good running game. It's just a fact. And, you know, you can look at pretty much any numbers, including the guy that I just wrote about for two QBs, Blake Bortles the less attempts you have, the less exposed you are and the less mistakes you tend to make as a quarterback. So I think it really just helps pretty much anybody. And I really, I don't know, I really want the Browns to get Barkley because I really want them to be good because I actually kind of feel bad for Cleveland fans at this point. I I do too, uh, but I don't want them to get Barkley. I'm sorry. I I mean, not that I want the Giants to take him at 1-2, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just hoping that Barkley's not Kajana Carter. Um, you guys are probably too young for that one. Um, as mentioned, um, you know, we talked a little bit, Bobby, uh, uh, about being a giant fan and the misery that, that we suffered this year, but we're being told by both new general manager, Dave Gettleman and new head coach, Pat Shermer, that they think Eli Manning has a few years left, but it's so rare to have such an early pick. Uh, do you think the Giants should take a QB at one, two, or possibly move down? What's your ideal scenario for the Giants going into this uh, off season? Yeah, we're going to need a longer podcast for that one. I've gotten into uh, many heated debates we're about need what the Giants serious do. therapy. Yeah. Um, the short answer is you have to assume that you're not going to be picking that high again. You have a 37, I believe, year old quarterback who's been your franchise quarterback, but as much as I love Eli, he's been declining every year for the past three or four seasons. And you just can't not take a quarterback there. And personally, I really, really, really want Josh Rosen, and I'll be very disappointed if they don't take him. Um, if they trade down, I only want them to do it still within the top ten and then take Baker Mayfield. I, I uh, you know, I haven't watched tape. I, you're, you're definitely ahead of me on that. Um, I do like uh, a little bit of what I've seen of Rosen, and some things are a little bit concerning. Um, I'm always looking to trade down as long, you know, you talk about dynasty and, uh, you know, strategies, you're a big dynasty guy. One thing I love to trade down as long as I can get a really great package as well, as long as I can get someone that I also like a few picks later. So to me, what it really comes down to is, you know, is Rosen that much better than Darnold? Is he that much better than Mayfield? And if you move down, can you guarantee that you'll get your guy or someone you like almost as much? And if that's the case, you need to move down. Gianna, thoughts on this? I don't have many thoughts on the Giants draft picks. Um, haven't thought much about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Gianna. Um, let, let's let's throw her another Cowboys question, Bobby. <laughs> 
As mentioned, there are more than uh, the usual number of first-round eligible quarterbacks this year. The most polarizing might be uh, Bobby's guy, Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma, who reminds many people of Johnny Manziel and other people just think he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Gianna, what's your thoughts on Mayfield? And if he isn't, who is your favorite quarterback or quarterback eligible now that we know that uh, Bobby's on Team uh, Rosen? Yeah, so for me, it's always been really hard to judge good college quarterbacks and how they're going to transition to the NFL. Uh, Speaking of Johnny Manziel, we know how that one turned out. I think that one was a little bit more obvious, though. Um, I do really like Mayfield, specifically his competitive spirit. I think he reminds me a lot of Phillip Rivers, and he'd definitely be fun to watch. So I'd like for the Giants to not draft him. Um, he's definitely a guy I'll be watching for in the draft. I, I actually think he'd be a fairly good fit with the Bills, and I'd like to maybe see them trade up for him. But like I said, I don't know what Mayfield will hold in the NFL. Um, I'm also kind of curious to see how Lamar Jackson will do. Um, he got so much hype at the beginning of his uh, two years ago, and then everyone just kind of forgot about him and turned their focus. So I, I think that'll be interesting. Um, but again, I, I try to avoid assumptions until they're in the NFL. So I'm just, I'm hoping for some big moves from different organization, organizations trading up and down. Well, we're going to throw you one last Cowboys question before we let you go, Gianna. And then we'll ask Bobby one last question and wrap this thing up. Uh, I want to thank both of you for doing the pod. It's been a lot of fun. The last question has to do with Des Bryant. What do you want the Cowboys to do with Des? You know, he people say that this year he kind of regressed. I, I personally think it's been a few years. <laughs> um, he has definitely never been great when it comes to fantasy, um, but he's also – He's ultimately been a distraction, I think. That's what his his best move has been. Um, and he, in addition to that, he's a leader of that team. He's erratic. He's passionate. The media gives him um, a lot of hype for that. But I think it really – I've you've seen, um, you've seen him simmer down Zeke. You've seen him build up Witten and Dak. Um, I think he – his biggest asset – Besides from being a distraction and um, being really good at blocking, that's, actually, that's a negative, by the way. <laughs> they're not going to let him go. Ultimately, he's a he, team I, player. I think I Jerry has a man crush on him. He he's not the playmaker we want him to be, and I know we're paying him too much money to just be a team player and a and a leader on that team. But he's not going anywhere, so it's really just media hype. It's that's trying to initiate that conversation, but it's not a conversation in that front office. So I don't really have anything else to say. I can evaluate Dez for days, but ultimately he is going to be on the Cowboys next year. So it is. is. I I think that's, I think you nailed it hundred percent. Bobby, last question for you. You mentioned Rosen is your favorite quarterback and Mayfield is next. Um, I I saw someone pushing on Twitter for the Giants at 1-2, the Notre Dame guard. I I mean, as much as we need help on the offensive line, I don't know how you, you know, take a guard at 1-2. But give us your sense on the rest of the quarterbacks – are there any that you, else that you like? Are there any else of the ones that are first-round eligible that you think are busts? And uh, I guess last thoughts on taking guards at one-two. Sure. Uh, so I actually really like Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know some people think he should change to a wide receiver, mm-hmm. but if he lands in an offense where – people are willing to be creative with him, we could see a really explosive playmaker at quarterback. He, in the right situation, could have more upside than any of them. 
It's just that personally, and maybe I'm just boring, I like my traditional pocket passers, which is why I really like Rosen. He does a lot of the small mechanical things right. Um, Mayfield is a little bit more mobile than him. So those guys are pretty much my top three. I kind of had to put Darno in there just because, but everything I've watched of Darno, I can't say I've actually come away all that impressed. I know everyone seems to think he and Rosen are the top two in the class, but I would put Rosen far ahead of him. It's interesting. I've watched a little of both of their tapes. Um, I also agree with you that Rosen, they both have a lot of inconsistencies, but I like the ball that uh, Rosen throws. Um, you know, he, he just seems like he he throws a pass that'll lead to a better completion percentage in the pros. Darno or Darnold, however you pronounce it, he'll make one pass that just makes you think that he is going to be the best quarterback ever, followed by a bunch that don't look anything like that. And I think it's mm-hmm. very easy for scouts to get caught up and look at that and for coaches to look at that one great pass, you know, that he can throw five, six times a game and think that they can turn him into that on every play. But I, I find that that's rare that you can, you know, guys who are inconsistent tend to stay that way. Um, what, what's, what's your thoughts on that analysis, Bobby? Yeah, that's, pretty much nails it. And then uh, just to address your other question about the guard, anytime somebody brings up drafting a guard at one, two, I've gotten into a lot of arguments with other Giants fans lately because I'm very opinionated and other Giants fans are very loud. Um, I want to slam my head onto my desk repeatedly. You can't take an offensive lineman with the number two pick. Even if you want an offensive lineman, you need to then sell that pick and get a haul for it and take a lineman later because someone will pay you a ton for quarterback, like we mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Bobby, um, thank you very much for coming on. I'm glad you did. Uh, tell us again where we can find you on Twitter. Sure. You can find me at Rect Fantasy. That's R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. And you can find my work at uh, Dynasty League Football as well as two quarterbacks. And really appreciate you having me on, Todd. Oh, really enjoyed it. Anytime. Hey, Gianna, um, I also really enjoyed having you on. Thank you for doing the article that led to this little podcast. Um, Tell everyone again where they can find you. And uh, what's next? Uh, Do you have any any other good articles coming out that we should look for? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Gianna with four A's at the end, one N, so G-I-A-N, four A's. Um, I write for Rotoviz and two QBs. You can also see some stuff on the Huffington Post. As for what's next um, to be determined, I'll definitely um, have something to write on draft day. And last uh, offseason, I did a women in fantasy sports um, interview series, which I'm hoping to pick back up again this off season. So hopefully you'll see some of that in the near future as well. All right. That's great. Uh, go find them. If you're not following them on Twitter already, please do. I'm Todd from PA. Thanks for listening. That is the end of the run to daylight podcast. Talk to you soon.